0: If you have your Bibles tonight, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I want to draw your attention. This book now we know was written when Paul's in prison. It's in first imprisonment, it looks like. And um, he is being allowed to have his own hired house, and yet he can't go anyplace. He's restricted, but he's able to write and have visitors and guests. And so he hears about things from these churches Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae, and and he's burdened for them. Remember this, after Jesus died, people started trusting Christ all over. In the book of Acts, one day, the Jerusalem church had 3,000 saved. There were churches popping up all over. But there was not a lot of instruction on how to live. Well, the Holy Spirit was given to the new Christians and I am certain there was this knocking on the heart. Don't be bitter. Forgive that person. Um, be careful of your words. Love your enemies. But they hadn't seen it written down. And so they started seeing the Scriptures as they were being written and circulated around. So the book of Ephesians was written to this church at Ephesus, which had the goddess of Diana's temple there. And everybody pretty well in Ephesus was a worshiper of the goddess of Diana, except for this little group of Christians. But they were being known all over the world as a group of people that are different. They were convicting in their lives the way they lived. People hated them because the traditional religions were losing members to these Christians that were so real. And that was the signpost. But then False teachers began to come in and pull people away. And so you'll notice at Ephesus that Ephesians was written to this church to give them stability. Notice, just take your Bible and just, we're going to just skim very quickly. Notice, if you would, chapter 1, verse 13, to reassure them in their salvation, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, they sensed the Holy Spirit in their heart. They knew he was there, but this confirmed it, and it explained to them that he was the seal of their salvation. Notice verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. He's the down payment with the final payment to come, and that is in heaven. He's going to take us to heaven. Well, notice if you would, in verse number 4 of chapter 2, but God, who is rich in mercy, what Brother Arnie sang about tonight, for his great love wherewith he loved us. They learned of the love of God, and this love that God gives to them is to be reciprocated back to say, Lord, I love you too. Notice, if you would, in verse number 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. They were going to experience the grace of God in the future. They were excited about that. Didn't really understand what it all meant. But you'll notice the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. But the definition of his kindness toward us, um, they hadn't experienced much yet. Notice, if you would, it says, verse 8, not, uh, but by grace are you saved through faith. Well, they knew that, but he's reemphasizing how they got saved. And you'll notice in verse ten, he says, "For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works." Everybody in this room that's trusted Christ as Savior, you are created for good works. And your good works are what Matthew calls light. As you and I do right and do good and are kind and gracious, the more dark the environment, the greater the light we give off. If you're at work and there's a kind of a dog-eat-dog atmosphere and, and everybody's uh, <clears throat> kind of running the other one down or they're all trying to uh, climb up the ladder... And if you're gracious and kind and tenderhearted and loving, you're going to be a light to everybody around you. You You're created unto good works. And then he goes through and begins to sort of define some of those good works. Notice with me, if you would, look over in chapter 3. Notice he says in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. In other words, you don't always have to do right yourself. The Holy Spirit will help you. You're not alone. It's not you pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and do your best. It is that you say, Lord, help me to do my best. It is a passive word. I will yield to you and you strengthen me to do what is right. Now, notice with me if you would. He says, verse 18, uh, excuse me, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. The Old Testament said an eye for an eye. The New Testament says love those that hate you. The Lord Jesus is now teaching Christians to be light in the world. Young people, to be light by the way you treat and talk about your parents. That's the way you can shine your light. Husbands and wives, you can shine your light by the way you love each other and care for each other. This, This light that we were created for is something all of us in this room must strive to do But you can't do it in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit's guidance and strength in your heart. So notice, if you would, in verse number 18, and you may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. He said, look, I I want the Holy Spirit to strengthen you so that you know how much I love you. That ought to motivate us. because God loves you so much. And you might think in your mind, well, how much does he love me? Well, um, for God so loved the world that he gave the greatest treasure of heaven for you and I. So what should we give back? Notice, if you would, verse number 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge... It's beyond what we can think about. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would be filled with Godlike qualities, love, joy, forgiveness, compassion. Notice in chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I'm in prison because of being a Christian. Beseech you, I'm pleading with you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. You know, this is 2000 years later and I'm pleading with you to walk worthy of Christ. Um most Christians don't. They'll curse a little bit when they get upset. They'll lose their temper. Cloud up and rain on somebody because they can. Whether they lose their temper with their children, their wife, or an underling at work, they are not motivated by the love of Christ. So they do things that are not light. They're darkness. We all can do that, but Paul is saying. I'm pleading with you that you would walk worthy of the calling of God upon you. What is your calling? You're created unto good works. You are created to have great marriage. You are created to have godly, obedient children. You are created to serve others, to think of other people before yourself. You were created to give back what God has given to you. Notice, if you would, verse 2, and here's the attitude of walking worthy. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, putting up with someone that has some peculiar traits. How many of you know somebody has got some peculiar traits? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, If they're sitting close to you, don't raise your hand, okay? All right. You know somebody's got peculiar traits. Uh, The idea is that, uh, you'll notice here he says, (coughs) forbearing one another in love. I I love them anyway. I got some peculiar traits sometimes, and my wife loves me anyway. And that's the way we're to love people because Christ loved us. Notice, if you would, in in, uh, uh, verse number 12 of chapter 4. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ—that's why you have a pastor—is to try to help you grow in Christ. Uh, notice, if you would, verse fourteen: that we henceforth be no more children. What are children? They're up and down. They're back and forth. Um, <clears throat> how many of you remember watching the show? I'm not smarter. I'm smarter than a fifth grader. Remember that? Um. Well. My wife taught the fifth grade one day this week. She substituted. And she came home to me. She says, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. (laughs) I said, what happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. She says, well, I told them if they did good. And I don't know what kind of elaborate system she had. But she had some system where they got tickets. I'm sure it was giveaway $1, $50, $100 gift cards. I'm sure that's what it was. But anyway, she had them. She was buying their obedience, I think. But anyway, at the end of the day, uh, two or three kids got a, a, a free a lunch for the next day. Not her husband, but them kids, okay? And so one of them said, well, I want a happy meal. And the other one said, I want this and that. And another one said, I want a deluxe hamburger with fries and bacon. So she goes to Chick-fil-A, and she's riding up, and she says, I want a deluxe hamburger with bacon. No, on the menu, she can't find it. And so she gets out of the car, and she goes in, and she says, I want a deluxe hamburger with bacon and fries. And the young girl behind the desk looks at her and says, ma'am, this is Chick-fil-A? Oh, we don't have hamburgers here. Oh, and it dawned on her. That kid got me. Would you go get me a hamburger at Chick-fil-A? Can't be done. She come up and says, I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. That kid got me. I tricked me. I can't believe he did that. And you know what? Uh, there are some times when you and I, uh, I, I'm not smarter than the old devil. I just get tricked and we get frustrated. And so we're up and down, and up and down. And he says that you henceforth be no more children. You know, your children sometimes, uh, uh, let me, watch this. I want you to see this. How many of you young people, your children right here now? Okay. Tell me what grade you're in. Just say your grade right here. Say your grade right here. What's your grade? Ninth grade. Tenth grade. Ellie, do you know what grade you're in? Third? Second. second. Okay, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear her, all right? And so, uh, all right, we got second grade. We got all these different grades here. Uh, if, I were to, if I were to say to you, how many of you in your school career ever had this thought? I am not going to make it out of this grade. Raise your hand. <laughs> Raise it, up. Raise it up. Okay. How many of you as adults ever had the thought, I'm never going to make it out of this grade? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Okay. Look here. Do you know what your parents... Your parents didn't have a worry in the world. Mom, I'm never going to get out of the fifth grade. I'm not smart as all the fifth graders. And your mom says, oh, you're going to be fine, kid. Somebody's got to tell you it's going to be okay because children are up and down and up and down and up and down. And somebody, a parent's got to say, oh, son, it'll be okay. You'll make it to the sixth grade. You'll make it to the seventh grade. Look, mom, I don't even understand that you can't buy hamburgers at Chick-fil-A. I don't understand that. Uh, uh, All I'm trying to say to you is that notice, if you would, in in verse number uh, number 12, uh, for the perfecting of the saints, and then verse 14, we're tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, in a church setting, I don't know if I'm ever going to learn the Scriptures well enough to know exactly what I believe. that's what a local church is for, and for the copy of the Scriptures, is to teach you and these people at Ephesus so they wouldn't be one day, well, I wonder if maybe the goddess Diana is real. No, she's not real, because Jesus is in my heart. I know that. I'm sure of that. And so there's this tossing to and fro, and Paul says, I want you to be anchored in what you believe. I want you to know you're on your way to heaven. I want you to love Christ because he loves you first. Notice if you would with me. Now chapter 5, he says in verse 1, Be it therefore followers of God as dear children. I do want you to have this simplicity that children have, this kind of grace and sweetness that they have when they're being good. And you notice he says here, uh, verse 2, and walk in love. I want you to walk as because you love people. You love those around you. As you're walking through life, love the people you're supposed to love. And who is that? Husbands, love your wives. You're supposed to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. You're supposed to love your enemies. So we're to have that love that shines light everywhere we go. There's just a joyfulness about us. There's a sweetness about us. You'll know my disciples by their discipline. No, by their love, one for another. Folks, this book was written that we could, Grow in Christ and bring forth light everywhere we are. Light in your home. Children, you're to be light in your home with your parents. You're to be light at school. You're to be light at work. We're to be light in our neighborhoods. As you walk by, uh, neighbors don't talk a lot of times in our, in our area. They're busy back and forth to say, hi, how are you doing? it's good to see you today. Light. Hey, maybe one day we can get a burger together. You can come over, we'll grill out. Okay. Light. Notice, if you would, in verse number two, walk in love. This is Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sweet-smelling, sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. And then he says, now, but fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be what? Once named among you. There are some things that a Christian just dies to avoid. Well, notice now, if you would, (laughs) look over in chapter 6 and verse number 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. He's giving from prison things that are light for all of these Ephesians to do. And we would be well advised to do these light things ourselves. Walk in love. Notice, if you would, in verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Now, in this day, this could have been bought and paid for, servants. This could have been bond servant, someone that chose to serve their master. And this could be someone that worked for someone else on a farm or a place, not necessarily a, a slave, but someone that earned money, a merchant, that you worked for a merchant. <coughs> well, notice what it says. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to flesh with fear and trembling, <coughs> with respect and a... Trembling not to cause them trouble, not to be disobedient, to do what they've asked you to do to make them happy, to make them proud of you. Well, notice what he says, in singleness of heart. Now, uh, this word singleness, uh, 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 plexus, is is the word for um, uh, free of pretense, no ulterior motive. I just want to be good to you because I, I want to love Christ more and show it by how I treat you. Boy, if we as Christians did that, we could change the world. And singleness of your heart, it's not something that's from here. It's something that's from here. I'm doing it because I love you. I love him singleness of heart, no pretense. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm not doing this to get a raise. I'm doing this to please Christ. And if Christ touches your heart about a raise, that's between you and him. But I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to live in light. And that's all of us. It makes us the best teachers. It makes us the best analysts. It makes us uh, the best IT guys. It makes us the best electricians. It makes us the best, you name it. It makes us the best in every area as long as we're working at our job. Notice what he says. He says, as unto Christ. Folks, everything that we do in our life because we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ is to bring light and shine on him. It's for his glory. Moms, when you cook a meal, it's for his glory. When you run a child someplace, it's for his glory. How many ever complained about you're just a taxi? Don't raise your hand. I'm here just running to this place, running to that place, doing this and do that. Well, you know what? There are people that I know that don't own a vehicle, but they'll like to. Every area of our life has privilege to it, but we forget that. Oh, whoa, is me. I got to run over here, and I got to run over there, and I got to run over here, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. I guarantee you there's some people today when I go to the retirement home to speak on a Tuesday, there are people there that would like to have some responsibilities to go here, to go there. But they cannot. So let's go here, go there, do this, do that for the love of Christ so that everything we do is not a drudgery It's a privilege because I'm a child of God, and I'm going to do it with singleness of heart because I love Christ. Folks, if I could just get all of you to understand that, it would change our church. It would change the light that you give off at work. Notice, if you would, verse 6, not with eye service. A simple way to say, not while you're being watched. You don't do what you do because somebody else is watching. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15, 3. The Lord Jesus is always watching. So unless you're looking for him and saying, Lord, I want you to see I'm doing my best today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for your sake. That's the only way you serve for eye service. All the rest of it. In this passage, it means you only do what you do to your best as long as somebody's watching. He says, that's not the Christian's way. Notice, if you would, as men pleasers, you're just trying to get, you're doing what you're doing to gain advantage from that person that's watching. You know what this is saying? You don't do the right thing if some underling is watching. If some kid is watching, you're not the best dad in the world. But if your boss is watching, you're working at it. That's what he's saying. As men pleasers. If you can get something for this work, you'll do it. If you can get that guy to say, hey, you did a good job, and you're looking for his praise or his promotion or his whatever it might be, it's men pleasers. Now, that does not mean we don't try to please our boss. We do. We work diligently to please our boss and therefore please Christ. But the motivation behind it, and Paul's trying to tell these new Christians at Ephesus, look, do what you do because you love Christ. Let that be your motivation. Don't do what you do because somebody's watching. Notice the next phrase. He says, but as the servants of Christ, in verse 6, doing the will of God from the heart. So it's the will of God for you to please your boss. It's the will of God for you to work diligently with all your heart to do the job God's called you to do. So young people, listen, um, a a good teacher, a a great teacher, has an ability to teach and to motivate somebody to want to learn, which is getting harder and harder today. You know why? Why? because kids have got these little things here. And that's what they look forward to. So a teacher has to try to teach them a concept where they have to use their brain, and they don't want to, because that's work. So a good teacher figures out a way to try to incite them to learn. The great Christian is not incited to learn or to do by money or praise or promotion. They're incited to do what they do with a single purpose. I just want you to be pleased with me. That's the separator for us. Are you doing that? Are you trying to please the Lord with everything that you do. Well, Pastor, my job is to take out the trash, um, clean the toilets, teach three-year-olds. Not a very important job. Yes, it is. Everything a Christian does You're going to receive reward or you're going to lose reward. Take your Bible. Notice with me if you would. Keep reading this passage. Verse number six, but doing the will of God from the heart. That's doing what? The position that you're in from your heart. Verse seven, for with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. The, why would Paul in prison say this is important? Because it is light. It is the way you and I give off light. If you're at work and you're joyful and you've got a bounce in your step, and folks, I know that's not human. It, it, it's not natural. We, we, I got another day at work. Now, I, I cannot tell you how many times I went to work in my father's company and my uncle's company, and I, I said, hey, guys. It's a good day, it's Wednesday. Yeah, I'm just trying to make it to Friday. How many of you heard something like that at work? I'm just working till Friday. I'm trying to get till Friday. Why is that? I get off. Well, you know when you say, I want to do a good job for my boss today. What? That's light. I want to do a good job today. I want to be a good wife today. Because I want the Lord to be pleased with me. What? The world doesn't see enough light. Notice what he says. Verse 8. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall I receive of the Lord, whether it be bond or free. Do you understand what he's saying here? He's saying every one of you, whatever you do, no matter what it is, if you carry out the trash, if you clean a toilet, if you if you uh, uh, if you make a deposit of a thousand dollars or a million dollars for your company, if you're put in charge of a budget of ten million dollars or six hundred million dollars, look, the Lord says, read it. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, whatever you do, if it's big or little, the Lord's going to reward you for it. There's no little people in this room. Doesn't the Bible say, the first shall be what? And the last shall be, you know why that can be the case? Simplicity. No pretense. I'm cleaning this toilet for the Lord. I'm washing these sheets for the Lord. I'm loving my husband for the Lord's sake. I I love my parents because the Lord wants me to, and I want them to be pleased with me. Plus, I love my parents from the heart. And whatsoever good thing you do, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And the next verse, he's not just uh, talking to people that are servants. Notice what he says in verse 9. And ye masters, those that own slaves, those that own a business in the marketplace, do the same things unto them. You be good to them. You do good things to your employees. You do good things to your slaves. You do good things to people. Notice, uh, forbearing, threatening. Don't talk to them in such a way that you're threatening them. You you better straighten up. You're going to lose your job. You you know I can get somebody else. Uh, He says forbearing, threatening. Don't do that. Why? Because notice what he says. Knowing that your master also is in heaven. You got a master also. So your master is light. You be light as a master. Be good to people. Be a little better people than they deserve. You have a master also in heaven. Neither is the respect of persons with him. He doesn't care how big your budget is, he doesn't care how big your savings account is, and doesn't care how much money you made. He cares about the way you treat people. He cares about your light. Tonight, how's your light at home? Young people, do you make your bed and do you try to do the chores that your parents give to you because you're trying to be light? Husbands and wives, do you love each other because you're trying to be light? Both to each other and for the Lord's sake? Look, I'm not saying you love your mate because you love the Lord. I'm not saying, well, I love you, honey, because the Lord told me to. That's not it. You say, Lord, help me to love my mate more that I can bring forth light for you. That's the plan, Lord. Help me at work this week. It's Monday, Lord. Help me to give off light on Monday and every day this week, so that I can bring praise to you tonight. Could a to challenge you? As Paul's in prison, and he was challenging these Ephesians. He said, "Look, walk in love, give off light that the world can see." You are different. There's a man that I know uh, in North Dallas. Um, He's an oil man. He's very wealthy. I stayed with him one time. And um, he was most gracious. Not Necessarily, what you would expect from a very wealthy man. And it came time to Christmas time, and I found out that he gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars. He gave away thousands of dollars to the cleaner of his offices. Just say, I want to say, thank you. Here's $8,000. To this person, here's $10,000. You see, he wasn't a master trying to acquire for himself. He was one that was good to people that helped him do what he needed to do. And you know, he used his money to be light. Well, you say, well, my boss gave me $8,000. I'd I'd consider him light or red, yellow, green, or whatever color he wanted to be. But you cannot be light unless you're good to people, unless you call them in and say, I want to tell you thank you for the good job you're doing. You see, every one of us, Master or servant gives off light. Student or teacher gives off light. Are you giving off light this week? You can't. Let's bow our head forward to prayer this evening. As we get ready for Brother Scott to come, I want to read to you one verse. And as you hear this verse, just... Apply it to your own heart. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your, here it is, good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works are our light or our darkness. Lord Jesus, speak to hearts tonight. Lord, as we come into Thanksgiving week, help us to be light to you. Lord, help us to have grateful hearts, to realize we would have nothing were it not for you and your blessing, and the heads you put about us. Lord, Satan would destroy us. Please, dear Lord, tonight, help us to purpose to be light this week by our good works. In your name we pray. Amen.